You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Mike Richards. And we're the hosts of Mission Log, The Orville. We look at every episode to break it down from messages, morals, and meanings. We'll be with you every step of the way from episode one to season three when it premieres on Hulu on June 2nd. You can find our show everywhere you listen to podcasts or you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com. We'll see you in the stars. Not if I see you first. Hi. Hi. Hi, John. Hi. Here's the here's the thing. Here's the rub. I've totally oh, sandbagged you. God. Totally. This yeah. is your life. I what? Everyone's gonna walk in Everybody. right now. <laughs> so uh, my name is Jessica Linverdi. You know that because you're listening to this podcast. This is the You Don't Know Nick podcast. Oh, okay. And you don't know anything about this podcast, which is funny. I think. Where's Nick? Exactly. So, well, no. So Nick is Nick Masu, who's on paternity leave. Mm. So now we're just, I'm alone in the ether. Normally. Much, much as your life is. <laughs> normally. Yes. With Son's cat, though, because we're recording this at your lovely studio. Uh-huh. Um, and what's good about this podcast is Nick doesn't know anything. Okay. And so I educate Nick about certain things, which you still don't know about. I'm going I'm, to, no. I'm not even going to do a good job explaining <laughs> this. That's how exciting this is. So Nick is just a little bit older than me. And you're probably in the same age mm-hmm. bracket as Nick. I'm making the assumption. Sure. It's a podcast where we explore the differences between generations. Okay. I'm 34 years old. Yeah, you look great. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, we went to the same high school. That's yeah, right. Yeah, right. Oh, fuck. Um, oh, yeah. Full carte blanche oh, to we say, can say whatever anything. you want. Okay. If you don't, I know you have a you know image to project. project <laughs> but it's, You know what? It, people ask about it all the time, and we'll get email uh, at Mission Log because we'll bleep something on the air, uh, right? And the thing is, I never want a guest to come onto the show and feel like they're in parameters. Like they have to talk a certain way or not. I want them to just talk the way they talk, right? Smart. But if you drop a podcast on Apple Podcasts in particular, and it's explicit and you have not tagged it as explicit, A, you can get in trouble. And B, yeah, yeah. And B, if things start to get tagged as explicit, you can sometimes lose part of your audience. Because let's say there's they one They were F- comfortable with you. Well, I- and let's say somebody subscribed, right? Okay, and they're listening sure. with their kids. But then one show is tagged explicit because one person dropped an F-bomb. Suddenly their feed would drop the other shows because they have a filter set. Just because set, of one. Cause, well, because they have a filter set for explicit content. Wow. So we that's the only reason we're careful about it. We don't want to lose audience. Wow. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Again, these people don't even know who you are. So <laughs> this is John Champion. No, no, Hi. I care. Okay. Who are you? What do you do? You mentioned that you do podcasts. Yeah. So what is yeah. that? Who All are right. you? So who am I? Uh, so currently, mm-hmm. I'm a producer and host 
for Roddenberry Entertainment for a number of podcasts, mm -hmm. mostly Star Trek, mm -hmm. although we've branched out, as you well know, we're talking about non-Star Trek things like sure. the Orville. Oh, that podcast. That I've heard podcast. only good things. Me too. <laughs> That's Me probably too. as a commercial before you even came on. I've heard it. great things about one of the hosts. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then uh, Daily Sci-Fi 5, which is fun and difficult. Uh, <laughs> Simply so. because of like the undertaking, right? Yeah. So you have the, the goal of that show is five minutes of science fiction history every, every weekday. weekday. Yeah, yeah. That's an under, it's not, it's like, not nothing. It's one of those things where, you know, the first month we were way ahead. It was like, oh yeah, we're going to post every <laughs> show a week in advance <laughs> and it'll be great. And then that ended after a month. But yeah. And I thought I was going to do the same thing with yeah. any pod. And I was like, oh, I'll, I will run six podcasts. So yeah, yeah. Very, in a weird way, you and I are parallel. You're getting yeah. paid though. So um, <laughs> Occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. In some ways you get yeah. paid with the joy that you bring See, to people. See, there you go. So, yeah. But yes, yeah, so you're you have the podcast vo podcast voice. You have the following. So it only was naturally natural that we invite you, so I can leech off of that. Thank you. As well. Thank you. So what is interesting to me, interesting to me in this podcast is kind of like I feel like I do. I have, well, so Nick and I do improv together. Yes. And we're not going to talk about him. I don't miss him. It's fine. <laughs> It's not a whole episode where I lament the fact that he's gone. I don't miss him at all because I don't know who the hell he is. <laughs> exactly. So. You would, I think you, if you've gone to enough improv shows, you yeah. may have crossed paths okay. with him. But he's he's a very smart guy who just doesn't have any cultural who's it, what's it, know-how. Okay. So like if I type LMAO, what is LMAO? Laughing my ass off. There you go. Yeah, he yeah. may not know that. Yeah. So Really? Okay. Would he know that LMFAO is the band that did Party Rockers in the House? He probably wouldn't know that. Okay. And you just got, now you, you're going to be my new co-host because you got that. I, who doesn't know about Shufflebot? I don't. <laughs> He's only the star of that video. So is it, is, <laughs> I don't know who Shufflebot is. Wait, so LMFAO. Yeah. Didn't they do also do an What was the first album? That uh, I don't know the name of the album. I'm going to... Okay, apparently, this album is like, we're here. And then the last album of Sorry, We'll like, Leave. We're gone. Or something like... <laughs> I think it's LMA. Uh, I think it's that one. That one. That's pretty awesome. Do you, so what's fun is just kind of like seeing where the cultural differences apply. Yeah. And just by talking about them. Or okay. like, she, I, like, I get to know a little bit more. It's a really an excuse to hang out with someone I like. Cool. Get to know them a little bit better. Um... They were, then, they were not available. Correct. So you're correct. like, oh, God, i got to put out a show. Uh, anyway, yeah. who has a whole setup I can use? <laughs> we just go leech off of, And yes. the best part is, is very rarely do I come with something prepared, especially because mm -hmm. these are special episodes. It can We can stop talking about generational stuff. But what I do want, like, is a little primer of um, what generation do you think you belong to? Mm. And... Um, and what... Yeah, like, and what is your take on that generation? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean... So yeah, I'm I'm firmly in Gen X, but at the same time, it's like I don't know. I, I feel like my cultural references and the things that I'm comfortable with sometimes spot on absolutely from that generation, right? And then other things I feel absolutely like a fish out of water. Totally, and and, and that's because you I do you, uh, like align more with like a baby boomer. Maybe, maybe it's like you have a lot of old school vibe I, to you. I do, I do, and, and I think like, um, I, okay, the music that I grew up listening to. Of course, I was listening to stuff that was current in the '80s, right? And and I loved like there was a lot of new wave that I liked, and but at home, you know, my mom listened to Motown 
and we listened a little bit to jazz. I got into that later in life, though. Really, yeah, I feel like I that's pretty normal. Kind of discovered it a bit. I hate jazz, but carry on. Really? Like, I don't all, hate wait, it. all jazz no. or this is a thing that most people know about me. Okay, I had a panic attack during the second set of Dave Douglas's show at the Helm Bakery. <laughs> oh my God. Because I just, there was, I was sitting next to the Rhodes Keys, which was so cool. And Dave yeah. Douglas is a trumpeter and it was awesome. And my boyfriend uh-huh. at the time was so excited. He's like, we should save for the second set. I'm like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> and it was, it just sullied my approach to jazz. Even though I liked okay. Dave Douglas's album sure. going into this. Um, it's the uh, masturbation element of it where that but now what do you like, have against masturbation it's the one when it, when it's when it's on stage and display and okay. it's everyone playing the same like everyone's like i'm soloing so am i and you are too uh-huh. and like, okay. so it's like a bad circle jerk okay well see it, there's it, different it, jazz though i'm aware yeah yeah and there's a lot of modern jazz that i don't i i happen to like this really specific like Early Ethiopian to mid, jazz, er, which I do like. <laughs> like early to mid 50s through the late 60s and primarily live because there's something about losing yourself in a room, in a space, in an experience. Like one of my favorite jazz albums, Ramsey Lewis, uh, recorded live at the Bohemian in like 1960. And the thing about that album is just you feel like you're there. It's so simple. It's so stripped down. You hear the noise of the people around and they're like clapping along and you hear Ramsey Lewis kind of like humming along as he's playing and it just feels like you're there. And a lot of modern stuff is so slick. Totally. And it just, it it feels very... You can't keep up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it's not that it's soulless and it's not that those people aren't talented because they are, but there's a sense of place that I get from certain jazz records. So you're yeah. also, my guess then also is listening to it on an album. You're listening to it on a record. No, I wish I were that cool. The so you're only, not that cool. No, no, no. The, the only records that I have are like purely for collectible value. Like it's something signed oh. or the artwork is really cool and I wanted to have that. You are way older than you are. I remember this. This is Billy Holiday. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I buy stuff like that. It's like the only CDs that I kept. I, I, kept, I totally uh, get that. Yeah, yeah. Like I kept a CD that was signed by Roger Daltrey from The Who. So and you I, can't sign an MP3. Right. So apparently, though, yeah. yes. I've heard that cassettes are coming back. Like, I don't get that at all. I it's, I do. Yeah. It's the tactile nature of it. Yeah. So hmm. you know when so CDs started taking off. Yeah. And CDs were way less expensive to make than tapes, but sure. tapes were less expensive right. to buy than CDs were. Yeah. And I remember buying tapes. I actually. Sure. First started Same. my like music quote unquote career mm-hmm. writing songs on. Cassettes. Thank you for the helpful visual. This with is putting your hands this is so in Italian guitar formation. Of me. Well, now yeah. you know what I'm talking about. I didn't See, know that Ramsey music, was a piano. This is what music looks like. It's yeah. The Beatles. <laughs> so yeah. I think that our audience can tell when I'm doing something with my hands because nine times out of ten I hit my mic. Oh, oh I love that as a producer. <clears throat> it's yes. so good. Yeah, I have to edit the that best now. Thing. <laughs> so, but so I was so apparently like. Someone was telling me that a, a band released a you know a limited edition vinyl and limited edition cassettes. The cassettes are gone. Wow, which is wild. That is wild. Because I mean, cassettes, like yeah, at the time they They're were not fine. even cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and at the time they were fine. It was like okay, this is a step up from a piece eight of track. vinyl or eight track certainly but then cds came along like wow i can skip this song that i don't like and i don't have to rewind it and this is amazing totally so, yeah i, I think there know. is something about being stuck though with like so 
So I was actually thinking about CDs and their impact recently on how I listen to music. Mm. Um, and it's usually, if I like the whole album, I love that band. Yeah. If I like one song, it's going on a playlist, and I yeah. may forget about that song, but it's usually like the playlist I'll create on Spotify that's the vibe of that month. Or if I'm like super sad, like all the sad songs that show up on like my suggested playlist or right. whatever. Right, right. Um, I recently discovered that Discord was showing everyone what I was listening to. No. I know. Oh, wow. I know. And it was like oh, the same song over and over again. <laughs> sad. <laughs> Actually, from the Orville, I was listening yeah. to um, She's Always a Woman oh <laughs> over and God. over again. Because the, the episode of the yeah. Orville where, you know, the Krill woman reveals herself. It's yeah. such a flipping great episode. It's so romantic. I also have developed a crush on Seth MacFarlane, which is upsetting. But I, I have a crush on Seth MacFarlane. Are you kidding me? I like know. nobody should be that funny, that good looking, and talented a jazz musician. Correct. I mean, come on. I, it's, yeah. it's actually insane. I actually got to see him perform with Sarah Bareilles. Whoa. And I completely didn't appreciate it at the time. <laughs> I was like, this is so fucking boring. <laughs> I was so upset. And for some reason, I've seen Sarah, Sarah Bareilles like three times, uh, and I don't yeah. care about her <laughs> at all. <laughs> but except for that she's yeah. a talented woman in the business doing her thing. But, but wow. I got to see him, and he was wonderful. But I just didn't give a damn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I hear you. Um, CDs, you know, I don't know if you had CDs in your car. Sure. Right? Yep. We and you had the visor where there was eight oh, yeah. CDs, oh, so yeah. you knew which ones were. I always knew which one was in which slot, so you just like pop yeah, out a CD, yeah. pull a new one. Yeah, and yes, I could skip. Yeah. But I have the eight CDs that are on my visor in my car. Yeah. I'm gonna listen to the whole album. I don't do nearly as much intentional listening now as I did sure. 10 years ago, sure. even. And I, I I wish that I weren't that way, you know? Because I, I like the idea of just sitting down and like, no, 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 you're going to listen to this album right. by this band and get the whole experience. And I just don't do that but anymore. But I don't know that our lives have... I, I can't even do that. I don't know that I've listened to an album and not also been playing video games in the background yep. or yep. working on something Terrible. else. Well, but is yeah. it, right? So like this is another generational thing. I'm ju I'm aging into the era where um, <laughs> It's a microphone, you know. I forget it. it. <laughs> uh, I'm aging into the era where I just get so comfortable. Yeah. I'm aging into the era where I have no idea who Doja Cat is or mm. Charlie XCX is. Like I know a couple yeah. kids that are making music, but I don't have the I don't have the stamina to keep up with what's yeah. new. And I don't give a fuck either well and isn't that that thing i i can't remember who has put out these particular studies but but there is a thing about how your taste is sort of baked in by the time you're 30 i have seen that yeah and then, I, if not sooner than that by the way it, yeah probably sooner and, and then after that it's much much harder to appreciate and accept new whatever it is music uh movies cultural stuff sure and there's definitely truth to that. There is also definitely truth to the idea that on mass, those things change. They fundamentally change. Right. And like I, I watched this great video the other day on YouTube about um, and it probably comes from a place that originally uh, probably a series of videos that I would not watch because I don't care too much about fanboy reactions to things. That is a huge market. You're making a mistake. <laughs> and I'm joking. <laughs> I do not give a crap about Surprising. any of that. Somebody sent me this uh, video. You're like the though. adult fanboy. Yeah. 
<laughs> just to be fair, yeah, you're I, like a just one step yeah, above. Yeah, exactly, Josh. exactly. Just let you know. Uh, but the, the video made a really good point. It was like, it's okay for stories to end. Oh. And perfect example was, okay, Back to the Future. Three great movies totally. that just work as a whole, and then they're done. And I asked somebody the other day, like, come on, now, in 2022, if somebody made a Back to the Future 4, how could that possibly be good? It wouldn't, and it should never happen. Yeah. And hopefully it never will happen, yeah. right? But on the other extreme, you have Star Wars being reinvented over and over and over again. And look at me. We're surrounded by Star Trek in here. Right. But a lot of what is being told as Star Trek now is just continuations of other Trek just that could end. It could you could have just decided to stop the right. story there and then go tell a different story and that would have been fine. Yeah. You know? When next yeah, but you wouldn't have a job. Well, sure I would, because <laughs> <laughs> because when Next Generation started, you know, part of the rule was we don't reference the old series. Now, they broke that a few times, but if you go back to that first season or two, they really don't. But that's really mm -hmm. unfair that, to say that they did that because every episode was rehashing of the... Uh, I mean, look, look. There's the, a the, lot of rehashing of the original most, series episodes. The most egregious uh, of, I think, their second episode was The Naked Now. That was a remake of The Naked Time So that no TOS. wonder they didn't want to talk about the uh, right. old TOS because they're trying to reboot it in a right, weird right. way. But what I appreciated was just every now and then there would be something that They didn't is, rest their laurels yeah, on it. Yeah, it just occurred in Starfleet's history. And that's fine. It's out there. It existed. Whatever. Move on. Tell your new story. What I don't like now is that every series somehow, oh, well, you got to have Spock and you got to have Kirk and you got to mention Khan and you got to have, it's like, no, no, no. Like we told those stories. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. That, that is not the definition of Star Trek is these characters. And even with Star Wars, I like, it's not Star Wars unless you have an emperor and a Skywalker. Right. And it's like, right. no, stop, stop. They can just be dead. <laughs> they can, they can be gone. It's all right. It's, I have a lot of opinions on, um, the final of the last, you know, the ninth mm -hmm. ep episode, mm -hmm. essentially. Though I enjoyed some of it. Like, yeah. I'm the kind of person where I will watch 17 more episodes, uh, seasons of the community, even if sure. it's only Joel McHale. Yeah. Because I love Joel <laughs> McHale or whatever. Yeah. Like, if, I, if I'm in, I very rarely go, well, the third season, they really clicked it off. And this is what, I very rarely do that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was able to salvage some things that I liked about that movie because I went in trying not to hate it. Well, no, and that's the other thing. It's like I really want to start from a place of naivete, like well, and and having a good expectation, out like of a something. good faith argument, essentially. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's have fun, yeah, right? Because it's yeah. fucking TV right. and movie, and like they didn't go, John. What would you like in this film? Right, 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 right. But yeah. yes, also I'm pissed at J.J. Abrams for yeah. totally sidelining. Um, uh, the Rose character. Um, I'm now forgetting her name. Huh? They, uh, da -da -da -da. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I also forget her name. I, yeah. I have it, and yeah. it's totally gone. Yeah. So, like, the, the what she was going to be the love interest of Finn, and then, like, oh, wait, all the fanboys, Kelly Tran, um, they, yep. all the fanboys hate her. Yeah. And she, fuck, she, he literally pats her on the shoulder and, and, like, kisses her goodbye. He doesn't even kiss her goodbye. Like, we kissed her goodbye. It was Sucked. so embarrassing. Yeah. And then to have Palpatine come back, which is is, is a mistake. Yeah. Completely undoing anything that we, that like could have meant something to an audience. Yeah. Like anybody could be a Jedi, which is really what 
fucking Luke Skywalker story kind of could have been also. Actually, it wasn't that at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as I'm realizing. It was Anakin's story, though. It was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's no, there's not, not precedent for that. Yeah. Anakin didn't have a father that was with the Force, right? No. He was just a fucking no, kid who yeah. had some shit yeah, going on. Yeah, good. Some midichlorians, man. Right. It's just all those midichlorians oh coursing God. through his body. But look, so the end of Return of the Jedi, it's like all those things had consequence and finality. Mm. Look, we defeated the bad guy. Look, we get to move on. And then 25, 30, however long later, it's like, oh, no, 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 none of that stuff counted because it's all just happening again with the same people. And like, Han really? and Leia aren't in love. And, and I like, <laughs> right. But I yeah. know that's trivial yeah. and relationships end, but yeah. also they did find each other yeah. in a time where like they're like two people that shouldn't have gotten together but did yeah, you know yeah yeah um now all that said though and and we could gripe about all of those things i love it when there is some creative reuse of a universe so i always point to the mandalorian and say like okay here's a story or, or a show with its own story to tell they're just going down their own path with this one focused character right and everything else around him, like, you don't have to telegraph what's going on. When he walks into a room and there's a couple of, like, very beat-up stormtroopers, you just know, like, yeah, those guys have no purpose now because the Death Star is gone, Vader's wow, gone. Sure. You don't need to sit down and explain and have the whole story be about that. It's inconsequential. But to the audience who gets it, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what would be happening to those guys nine years later. Yeah. You know? So I appreciate that kind of thing. Where well, it's like it's like expanding on in the RPG world, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can have do it do a Star Wars RPG. I'm not gonna play Leia. Right. Uh, like yeah, yeah, why yeah. not have a different planet that's has the same ideals? Sure. It's kind of fun to yeah. that's actually an improv tenant too, um, that Nick Masu taught me about, who's <laughs> you don't know Nick. <laughs> right. Is um or him and his uh Brian Jones created this. You uh -huh. take a step, create the world, don't take the next step in the world. Sit in that step and then expand yes. from there. And there's yes. some series that do that very well. Right. I actually think, even though there was no precedent for this in the book, The Handmaid's Tale does this very well. Hmm. Where it's like, all right, you kind of got the idea what this micro exp ex experience is for this handmaid, yeah. handmaid in this one house. And now what happens if they're out or if they go to this part or what happens when this happens? Right. Sorry, right. I just keep on That's fine. everything. You know, yeah, it's all replaceable. I know, but like, how bad does it sound <laughs> on the mic? It's fine. So, and I don't do editing, editing, editing either. Perfect. So it's, it's the best my part. favorite kind of show. It's definitely not Rod. Rod's <laughs> favorite kind of show. He would not enjoy it. No. So, the what I I like that we just get to experience the world. What you're talking about, though, with I, there's a lot to lament about. Do we need to have a seventh a seventh Spock? Right. In a sense, right? Yeah. Or uh, there's actually, they kind of tipped their hand uh, when they released that the fourth um, Kelvin series was going to come out. Yeah, right. By saying in the article, we tested enough to see if there was interest <sighs> for this grouping, yeah, which yeah. is not surprising. And yeah. it did, and it's like, in a way, I kind of am glad that they're not pulling the wool over our eyes, like, oh, you could. We've just been waiting to do this. <laughs> it is basically saying there's enough money yeah. to do this. But what's the difference between people, maybe in my generation, let's say, mm -hmm. who get mad that there's a new Ninja Turtles TV show coming out, but we don't want to watch it? What's the difference there? So, mm -hmm. like, I just mm -hmm. challenge you and myself to do, like, because you're right, like, fuck, we don't need to hear Kirk's story one more time yeah. again. We, yeah. 
We don't. Yeah. I love Chris Pine. Sure. I will He's watch great. that movie. He's great. I will. Yeah. I, it's, but it's, it is also mental gymnastics at a certain point, and also there's far more. Inter- I'm like really glad that they have Uhura coming into um, Strange New World. Sure. Why not make it about her? Yeah. Why not fucking do that show? Yeah. Why are we worried about Pike? Because we're afraid that we don't. If we don't have like a lead white male helming something, it's not going to be interesting. Kind. Of. I'm not saying no, no, that no. that's I, it completely. I, I get that. I get that. I mean, I, I think. Pike is, uh, and this might be my... He didn't get his due diligence. Yeah, yeah, I I think it's my bias about Pike just because I think Anne Samount is great in the role. But see, that's the kind of thing that I feel like is an untapped resource because... Correct. You've got a character who you literally saw on screen for one hour. Right. That was it. This is the longest pilot to series pickup order in the history of TV, 56 years. Oh my God. (laughs) Right? I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you have this whole untapped story <laughs> so that you cool. can tell, right? That's actually fucking really cool. Right? Yeah. Sorry, that yeah. made, I just erased the whole. Okay, I'm forget, have my all editor that. forget all of that. Take that yeah. all out. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So, but there are all these stories yet to be told about right. him and about that particular crew, and you can set it at this time. Which, if they if they're smart, if they do it right, it can kind of bridge that gap. That for a generation now that looks back at TOS and says, well, that that was my grandfather's show. It's hokey. It's from the 60s. It doesn't speak to me. That's legitimate. That That is an okay attitude for you to have. I disagree with it. Right. I, I happen to love the classics. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? how I, I yeah. still drop in right. with the original series. Well, yeah, and, and, and for anything. Like, I, I watch movies from the birth of cinema up to now. Right. You know, I want to watch stuff from the 30s and 40s and You're 50s a real hipster. And, yeah, right. Uh, um, I only do it for the hipster crowd. It's because your that's hips it. hurt. Yes, so. yeah. Um, um, she's very funny. Yeah, occasionally. <laughs> um, but uh, where, where were we? I don't know. Uh, but but there's also an audience that I think that can benefit from a, a, a refresh of those stories. Because the story, like it, just episode by episode, the ideas behind those stories have value. They're worthwhile. So if the thing that's preventing you from getting that story is, oh, the acting is hammy, the sets look fake, whatever, fine. Let's reinvent it. Still make that world look fresh but believable to somebody who did watch the original, that that's a tough thing to do. But I, I hope they pull it off. I, I actually have a good feeling that they will. Yeah, and, I think so. Well, and, and I also to your point of like rehashing of the stories, in a way, CBS is taking it, keeping it safe to get all. I'd be really curious mm-hmm. to learn how many new audience members they have and what the demo is. Yeah. Like, how, what's the youngest? like dedicated demo to Star Trek right now. Because yeah. if I'm in that board office meeting that's trying to, well, we want to bring Star Trek back and we have all these ideas and blah, blah, blah. You want to get the people that will check it out yeah. to come. But you know what I hope is that it, there's an audience full of 12-year-olds who are watching Prodigy. I mean, they are, it and has an, to be, yeah, right? And an audience full of 16 to 18-year-olds who are watching Lower Decks and an audience full of 20-year-olds who are watching Discovery. And then... If it's 50 to 60-year-olds who are watching Strange New Worlds because it, it, it scratches that nostalgic itch, I hope that some of those younger audience who are watching the other shows stick around for it, too. Like, that could be the rare show that actually, again, bridges that Well, because Picard's not, not doing that, right? Like, because Picard is... Yeah. So, I'm not watching it. Uh-huh. Um, 
but my friend Scott, who you met at Star Trek yeah. Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, yeah. he said it's the most impressive jumping quality te- storytelling Star Trek has ever done from oh. season one to season two. Season oh, one didn't necessarily need to happen, in his opinion. I'm paraphrasing yeah. horribly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But season two is fantastic, is wow. the way he put it. And because in a way, you can make the argument like, okay, here's Picard. Yeah, he's on his, yeah. you know, he's you cutting wa- grapes off the fucking vine. <laughs> But like, and then someone else I was talking to said that it, it acts. The first season acts as like a great. Here's where everyone is. Yeah. And now let's go tell the story. And yeah. I wonder if it's bringing in yeah. the forty to fifty year olds back. Uh, maybe, maybe. It, but but you just made me look at it in a yeah. different way. But see, but then I go online and I just see people complaining about it. Of course, <laughs> because know? those are the loudest voices. Yeah, they are. They are. I re- it's not everybody. Well, yeah. and but that's then that doubles back to my original thought and okay. original point in a sense, which again this. Po- podcast has no point or original thought the if you the people that lament the new batman the Mm. new ninja turtles i did that i was like fuck i want to watch i remember liking this tv show they can't make the 80s not ninja turtles and i i wouldn't watch it yeah right the freddie prince jr went on a podcast and said it's not fucking for you dude it's not yours if you're going to complain about this batman it's not for you now so a lot of this stuff is being geared in, in terms of Star Trek is being geared toward us. Yeah. But and they and and I think the same thing with Star Wars. Let's bring Han back. You're going to want to see Han. Yeah. But there's new people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I know people in my family who were uncomfortable about the casting of the new three films. But that so in a weird way, it had to be done to like shake people out of like this old Carl Sagan did this. Where he's like, where Jimmy Car. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carson, right, right? Uh-huh. This is his name? Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson? <laughs> <laughs> Says to Carl Sagan, so what do you think about the Star Wars film? Because uh, I think it's unlikely that there's no black people in, yeah, right, 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 in, right. in the yeah. universe. That was the best Johnny Carson impression I have ever heard. Oh, that's such a such a jerk. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, Ed, what do you think about the show so far? Wow. <laughs> Pretty good. It's like, wow, he's back? <laughs> He, he is extant I in love, this room. Uh, Bob Hope, everybody. Oh, wow. <laughs> Damn. So I also, I think I have a lot of kindred um, media input that you do, too, because I watched mm. the roast, which, by the way, like Dean D- Martin roast, those sure. don't hold up. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, yeah. they're no, very bad. A lot of them do not. They do yeah. not. But, like, I have a reverence for Lucille Ball. I have, I watched all of the original series. So there, there is a world, like, I just love, What's interesting about doing a generational podcast is mm-hmm. examining a lot of the antagonism that happens. Yeah. And and also one of the things I've got to come to terms with with this is that I'm not the youngest relevant like relevant generation Stop. anymore. Stop. You're the youngest person I you know. You know cuz you're old. <laughs> well, and also you are a little bit older than Nick. So he's yeah. uh I don't know that one of the most recent things we read is um Zenial, the term Zenial didn't stick. Like mm. it's the gap. It's like a small micro generation between See, millennials. That, that's what I, I think we need more labels that narrowly pigeonhole people mm-hmm. in entire populations. Mm-hmm. I think that's very useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Full, <laughs> full and wholeheartedly. <laughs> I would love to feel even more uh, alone and separated <laughs> from people. I heard. Um, uh, you mentioned Carl Sagan, yeah. and uh, I was at a, a at a thing where Andrewian, his widow, was speaking, mm. and uh, I and I can't remember the the exact 
context of it, but uh, she brought up uh, astrology. And she said to her that astrology is kind of the new racism because, oh. yeah, because she said it is an easy shorthand way for somebody to assume that they know the personality, the background, the experiences, uh, the expressions of somebody that they know nothing about. So if I know nothing about somebody and I size them up because of their race, oh, well, you know, this person is Asian, therefore, right. here's what they're like. Okay, that's patently wrong. Right. That, that, that is absolutely the very definition of racism. But if I go up to somebody who I also don't know and say, oh, what are you? you you're an Aries? Like, oh, okay, cool. Then I know everything that I need to know about you. I know your personality. I know your likes, your dislikes, your interests. I know how you react to things by the light. She's like, that's madness wow. that's absolute madness and we get into the same thing when we start to label generations as well um i the audience can see this when my whole face yeah. went mm, <laughs> right you're you know? so right and, and here, here's the thing you can point to historical trends you, you can point to shared experiences it, uh, on the the grand scale you know we, we talk about the greatest generation not necessarily because they're all great but because there is a shared experience of world war ii right you know i get it i totally get that but that does not define the values the the politics necessarily uh the you know their feelings about family or themselves or any it does not define anything about individuals individual. from that group and I think we're really doing that to a very extreme end now where we keep sort of microcasting these groups. And it was a sort of Gen X, Gen Y, Z. Right. But now, oh, no, no, no. Now we, we, we split that up even more. And now we decide. It's like, and there are so many memes that say, like, well, boomers do this, millennials do this, while Gen X is over here Just doing sipping this. Just some tea. Am yeah, I giving right. a fuck? Which I'm drinking tea and yes, not giving well. a fuck, you know. Stereotypes are, <laughs> right. are stereotypes for a reason. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, but I, I think we really do ourselves a disservice because then I, I will find myself right. internalizing that. And if I meet somebody who says something that I think is ridiculous or maybe very enlightened, whatever, then I, a part of me says, oh, well, they're saying that because they were born in 1992. Mm-hmm. And it, like, no, that's nonsense. <laughs> that is complete and utter nonsense. This, I'm so glad that Nick had a baby so that I could have such a refreshing take on this. <laughs> I'm so bored of him. I hope he listens to this episode. Uh, I got your back, Nick. Still don't know who you are, you but shouldn't. I got your back. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> so it's what an awesome, helpful way to look at it. Because that was one of my first ways of well, that was m one of my drop-ins also with starting this podcast was a realizing that there's news stories all the time gen yeah. z is now this yeah. they're it's weird to wear pants like that you know what <laughs> why are millennials right. this right and it makes us click it millennials essentially yeah. to go well what the fuck am i not that yeah it's yeah. all clickbait in some sure. way or another and it is sure. manufactured anger to yeah. get and, and also divide us yeah. I remember feeling really on the outskirts because I was, you know, Simon Sinek actually helped our generation more than anybody else, which is like, you guys think millennials are entitled, but here's like the series of things that got to there, them yeah. to there, yeah. essentially. Right. And like uh, someone was talking about how boomers were the ones that gave us the 
participation prizes. Yeah. And so, sure. but now we're the assholes for sure. having gotten those. Yeah. And so a, what a lot about... I like to do, and I think you may be able to mm-hmm. qualify this as knowing me very poorly like you do. Mm-hmm. Also not caring. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a big, yeah. That's a big factor. Yeah. Is uh, I want to kind of break down the the um, the things that make it easier to put things in a box. I don't hmm. think there mm-hmm. is a cut and dry way to look at everything. Yeah. And I'm challenging myself to not automatically judge Gen Z when they walk down the street and sure. why are they wearing that? Because if you were to look like see what I was wearing when I had a MySpace, be very embarrassing. Do you think, though, like, okay, uh, first of all, there was a video I watched not long ago that made the case that, like, men's fashion... Never changed? No, 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 no. (laughs) Like, the last good fashion decade was through the mid-60s. Okay, so hold on. I'm going to stop you. Okay, okay. That's only because you dressed that way that you saw that article. No, No, I I do. Okay, I can't wait. Fair enough, fair enough. No, I I follow a a YouTube channel called Gentleman's Gazette, which is all about classic fashion. But they made a very good case saying like, okay, go from the end of the 19th century and look at the changes in menswear kind of decade to decade. Sure. But then by the time you get to the late 60s, Something changes, and it has to do with manufacturing, has to do with materials, has to do with like uh, the the less formal workspace, and that's where you get crazy like loud bell bottoms and crazy oh. color combination. And then the classic menswear kind of died, and it just became a thing that is like, oh no, that's what bankers wear, you know? Got it. So the it. It's a very compelling video. Like it made a good case. Well, what was for your that. takeaway? Cause, oh, okay. Because I I did make yeah. fun of you. You you <laughs> you have a very um, like people know when John Champion shows up, and I <laughs> no, and I mean that in the actual compliment <laughs> well, way. Thank you. Uh, and I've shared this with you before when I was entering the business of acting formally, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I got the advice of, AKA brush my hair, Jessica. Mm. Like you need to actually put yourself together. Your hair looks great. Thank you. It's so much better brunette, right? I, it, it looks healthy and lovely. Thank and, you. Yes. I was yeah. doing a whole thing for the pandemic, but I've decided to go back to <laughs> my natural hair color. Okay. Saying thank you. It feels You're good welcome. too. Right. Um, I also had to get headshots. It's a whole thing. We oh. talked about it. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. <laughs> I wanted to stay blonde, but it didn't look great. So, huh, the, I was doing improv, and my literally image consultant, who uh-huh. is one of my very good friends, he goes, you want to be, you, do you want to dress like all the dudes that are going on stage with flannels? I was like, well, yeah, because that's like the improv uniform. Because the look. Why aren't you going to be the one person that stands out because you're put together? Uh-huh. Like always, And basically, he taught me every acting thing you go to, you put yourself together like you're bookable. Sure. And I've, I have since come onto the other side of it where like I can be comfortable and put together. Yeah. I, I, like yeah, I, there I'm you go. still like working on what I what I feel like I bring to the table. I can also dress up very nicely, which you know. Sure, but I've seen you it. Yeah. occasionally, <laughs> you are always on point, and this isn't a point of interest for you at a point like this is what you like to do. So, what was it saying that like dudes just don't have a sense of fashion? Or no, what? no. So I well, I was tying it to this. Uh, what I think is interesting now is that you can point to very distinct styles of the 70s, the 80s, sure. the 90s. I think we live in an interesting time now. Maybe this is due to millennials growing up, you know, being adults now, where really kind of anything goes. 
And I think that's it's actually good. Gen Z is responsible. Gen for Z. That. Okay. All right. And I that's think that's totally fair question. Whatever. Yeah. But I, I, but I think that's a very good thing. It is like there is a lot of freedom of style expression. There's a lot of uh, just because there's a lot more availability of any kind of cultural influence. Right. For as many bad things as we can say about, oh, I don't sit down and listen to an album all the way through. Well, but the upshot is. I get to have access to this huge variety of music libraries that I never would have had before. As opposed to only or, three album releases in your favorite genre in a given year, so everyone listened to that right, same album right. the night before. Now, the downside is, yes, we can get very narrowly cast into these things, but the upside is your opportunity to discover something is much greater. So totally. I, I think that's a very good thing. And again, just looking at fashion trends, I think that is one place that that is expressed is that, yeah, okay, 10 years from now, we might be able to look back at the, say, 2010s because you need, you know, good, you have, good yeah. chunk of distance. So we might be able to say, oh, look, that's very 2010s. Right. But I think that'll be harder to do than it is for us now to look at the 70s or the 80s and go, wow, look at those trends. You know, they, they were ubiquitous. I understand. You know, I yeah, know. And yeah. this is something I do think about because during the pandemic is when I at least observed Gen Z really taking off yeah. with their style and expression and their vocality and yeah. importance, like realizing I actually have a say here yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And unfortunately, as someone who does like to buy clothing, there was no need to. Yeah, buy sure. clothing, right? Sure. Essentially, right? Because I also have aged into the bracket of I'm going to buy smart as opposed to the trash clothes <laughs> yeah, yeah, by yeah, seventeen. Yeah, yeah. I loved yeah. Forever Twenty One forever, <laughs> and it, then I would like, get a hold in it the week after, and you can't yeah. wear it ever again. Yep. yep. But the I felt really inadequate fashion wise hmm. because it, things have changed so drastically yeah. that I didn't know where to begin because there was no. I don't want to look like the odd bean out. Yeah. I don't fit in the... There is, like, things you... I, the reason why I'm trying to, like, paint a picture and I'm doing it poorly is you can, I can point you to some things that are distinctly, oh, that's very much the look right now. Oh, or sure. The, and you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it's, like, derivative of the 90s. Yep. I, I, I actually lament in some ways in, like, a very small way because I can't... You can't lament where you are, but that I... That my generation didn't go, fuck it, whatever. Let's do it. Right. Like... Let's just try that. Let's just put that on yeah. your hair or whatever. Yeah. Instead, we saw Ashley Simpson, Jessica Simpson's sister, yeah, and so we yeah, wanted yeah, to have yeah. the hair in front of our face or whatever because yeah. everyone saw that. It's, we Gen Z, like all these articles going, why Gen Z says you shouldn't wear these pants anymore. They don't give a fuck what you wear. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's the yeah. best part. They really yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah. But what I ended up learning, speaking of like pants, like, like there was this whole thing, I can't wear skinny pants anymore. And I was like, I just bought a bunch. What am I going to do? I know, yeah. it seems irrelevant. Yeah. But the reason why they they bucked it mm. is we were just being sold skinny jeans since the re recession. Oh, sure. Because they were yeah. an easy thing to sell. Sure. Because they didn't want to buck trends. Right. Because they didn't want to have a ball in the market yeah, anymore. Yeah, you, you got stock to sell. Correct. So, yeah. So yeah, they yeah, kind yeah. of went, well, fuck you. I'm just going to yeah. buy this off of Instagram. Yeah. So it, it, I don't know how much is that of that is conscious of the Gen Z, yeah. but it is indicative of their lifestyle, yeah. their love style. Yeah. And and all. There's you can't, you're right. You can find anything under the sun. Yeah. But you're right also that it can – you don't hear that often, right, that you're right? Um <laughs> It's, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna Fast clip that. I, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, take that out. That'll be my ringtone for it's your you. Your soundbite now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it 
you you can I'm actually going to a podcast tonight to talk about um the breakfast club which <laughs> let's talk about that right like with yeah. the <laughs> definable cl- like clicks yeah. and yeah. put being yeah. pigeonholed and whatever in some ways the more there is to decide from, the more you can go, well, I don't even know. I'm just going to keep on sticking to this this thing I know, too. That That's a powerful draw, is sort of comfort and nostalgia and all of these. Yeah, yeah, the, those are powerful forces. Which it's, it's, And lovely. And, and it makes sense that a lot of us may go to that right now in an era mm-hmm. where there isn't a lot of comfort sure. or, or distraction or yeah. whatever. Or we are isolated. So yeah. really, there's like nothing wrong. I think it's, I think like, there is really nothing wrong with the ger- generational differences. It's just when we're starting to be pit against each other, like yeah. you said, yeah. and now I'm going to judge this person as opposed to being a bad driver. Like, oh, well, of course, she's fucking 12, yeah, you know, right, or whatever. Right, right, yeah. So it, it is one more way to further divide us. There's, a, there's a difficulty that comes without having some, some common ground, you know, um, which we've known that with news stories and well, exactly, right. yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and saying, okay, what is the most powerful magazine that exists today? Try to name one because you can't, right? You know, right. As opposed to fifty years ago, Time even forty or... years ago, thirty years ago, you could go like, oh, look, the national conversation is based on information that mm. generally. Generally, you could go to people from different walks of life, different political persuasions, but but at least the national conversation is based somewhere in the same lanes. Right. You know, now we don't have that, and there's a real detriment to that. There's also some upside to that, is that there are more voices, more opinions, more ideas to hopefully float to the top. Right. You know? Or that we're also not just getting what is okay to be talked about, right? Sure. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. like something yeah. I have, I don't know much about. Um, is the Vietnam War in that mm-hmm. way, right? For the first yeah. time, we're not going, this is what the war is, and this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. And you're actually seeing some horrible things on TV because there was not regulation with regards to that yeah. yet. The The problem is, truth is not uh, objective. And, sure. And, yeah. you know, you can spout one statistic and prove your point, and then the other channel can spout that same statistic but the re- reverse and prove that point. And there is no basis for truth. But but if the well, well but th- there are truths. But, Tru- but truth does exist, right? Um, but someone's impact yeah. with regards to that is is hard to quantify. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. You know, and, and we we have to ask ourselves: Well, who then is spinning the information? What, right. What is their vested interest in the outcome of that information? But if we can start from a place saying like, oh, okay, well, at least at least we know the information is right. Or the information is has a high probability of being right. Sure. You know? um, I, I was talking to be more specific about that that cultural conversation. Um, I was talking to somebody about how in the yeah in the '60s and you just mentioned Vietnam, the first national magazine to come out wholeheartedly strongly against the Vietnam War and our policies there was Playboy. And wow. you're talking about a magazine that at the time had something like, I think their circulation was around eight or 10 million, but then you extrapolate from that the number of readers of a single issue, and it's somewhere astronomical. It's like 30 million people. I can't think of any one thing that anybody reads now 
that would have an audience of 30 million people. And the important part is, okay, here's a magazine that had a strong political agenda, like, right. like you know, a progressive liberal agenda, right? But took the time and effort to put writers who would go do the research Correct. and go figure out like, oh, okay, here's the information that is well-vetted, well-researched, taken months and months to put together. So now you may disagree with conclusions here, but at least we're starting out with the same information. We're at least we're starting out with the same basis of knowledge to have this bigger conversation. And now you think like, okay, what what is a big media draw right now? I think, you know, Fox News has, you know, huge audiences, but their huge audiences are for shows with like a million people. Oh. Sometimes less than a million people. But then yeah. their clips go viral and yep. stuff like that. Which yep. basically what that's what they're aiming for. It used to be yep. sound bites, right? Yeah. And all that. Now yeah. it's but, and, and the the shorter and shorter you get those sound bites, it's five seconds here, the ten angrier seconds and there. Angrier. <laughs> the angrier and angrier they get, and and there's very little basis of actual information. The reporting then is lost. The actual information is lost. You know, uh, I have yeah. I, I don't I actually don't want to forget yeah. about that because mm -hmm. I, I really think, especially since so much of our world is on the internet. Yeah. Um, the I you know the emphasis on community is a big element of. Yeah. maintaining an online persona that also helps you get paid. Yeah. And Fox News yeah. and MSNBC sure. and CNN are cultivating communities where yeah. people feel seen and heard. Yeah. I don't listen to either of them, but then can't <laughs> help that, you know, the on my Twitter the, the the clips show up. Yeah. Any other even micro community or YouTube or fanboy fuck sites or whatever <laughs> where it's like I love I hate Star Wars or whatever. Yeah, right, they're right. cultivating a community because people want to see how those people relate to the the, the, the thing that they're interested in yeah. and it helps them form their opinion which is the scary thing yeah but but sure. people make a living on that right now yeah so you're asking me yes what has that kind of impact yeah are you ready yeah I'm ready Kim Kardashian has 297 million Instagram followers Wow Wow 297 million. And okay, yes. now, now the best thing that can be said about that. <laughs> because Sex I, sells, baby. I, well, I'm and, just kidding. And, no, I, but here's the thing. I, I would say, I, I don't, I'm not one of those I'm 297 million. I've never seen her show or their show or whatever. Um, the best thing that I can say about that is that at least, I would, I would think the majority of the content is pretty superfluous. If it's if it's just celebrity life, fashion stuff, whatever, okay, that fine, you know. I I wish that I wish there was that sizable an audience for things that really mattered. Um, I think that's indicative of the society, though. Yeah. Is that well? First of all, it's not superfluous in some ways because she can. I think she's since walked back from this in mm. some ways, where she can get paid a million dollars to go. This is how I'm losing weight. Oh, or whatever, sure. yeah, 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 and yeah. and her body that doesn't exist in real life, yeah. which if it brings her joy, I'm happy for her, yeah. is now becoming something that people want to attain. And yeah. young women, you know, I think the guidelines is you can be 12 on Instagram. Wow. And wow. The, setting up a really weird, yeah, um, ex, ex, like oh, that's what women should look like. Yeah. Maybe not weird, but like, and she's successful. I got yeah. it. Yeah. But man, I 
all I already have body image issues, I, and just by looking at women on billboards, I don't yeah. this, and I'm looking at someone getting a million likes, it's gonna make me feel inadequate. Yeah. Um. So there is impact that way. Yep. Um, and also, I don't know if you watched any of the Fire Festival uh, documentaries. <laughs> I read a lot about it. I was fascinated. I was fascinated. Look up yeah. the guy who was willing to suck dick for water, and you know, <laughs> this is it's the best thing to happen. Look, ever. we've all been there, okay? <laughs> water, so please. <laughs> so the one of uh, one she of she says as I reach for a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> You're thirsty. Uh. So um, one of the guys, the guy paid Kendall Jenner. To go to their like weekend and take post pictures and going going to be at the fire festival and yeah. there was no accountability for that. No, of course. Because it's advertising yeah. and a bunch of people think, oh, it's real. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um. So that's again, it's another thing that's not the news. <laughs> well, and I don't think that's a new problem though. I mean, the birth of mass media means that whoever is pulling those strings has the ability to influence for well, you know primarily for the bottom line. Sure, sure. So whether it's something like that, or I would say just as egregiously if it's Oprah having on somebody like Dr. Oz and sure. lifting him up to the position that he has and hopefully won't have much longer. It sounds like his, his certain brand of charlatanism is being taken to task. Um, That's very nice to hear. But, but oh, it's shit, the same but... kind of thing, though. It's the same, you know, like, oh, look, I have an audience of 50 million people but now I'm going to bring in my favorite snake oil salesman to shill a product that I haven't checked out yet. Yeah. You yes. Know? You know, and those those things are powerful. And certainly body image is powerful. You know, look at ads from the 1900s with all kinds of insane devices and contraptions. Right. I remember a, a magazine that I worked for. We we're doing a, like a historic survey and there were things like you know, radioactive suppositories. Oh, my. Advertised. Radioactive? Yeah. Advertised in the late 19th, early 20th century because, well, well sure, the, the radioactivity gives you health. It, it's, it's like, you know, magic from, from the earth. And, yeah, I mean, crazy, crazy <sighs> stuff. But it always plays into that age-old fear that people have of, getting older, their bodies not being what they want, or they're not attractive enough, or whatever. I mean, that that's... We all relate to it. Absolutely. It's... Absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it, we are... Oof. It's just... I, I'm coming to terms with being older, too. <laughs> this whole, this, really, this whole podcast has just been me dealing with aging. We're doing your therapy. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> you have no idea. Because... So Nick used to be, um, like, a counselor. So Ooh. often, him and I get deep, and I'm like, okay, so in therapy, I talked about this. Um, the one way I tend to combat misinformation mm -hmm. is, you know, even yesterday on my live stream, I have a very smart, uh, logical human who helps me with tech or is a moderator for me at time to time, not mm -hmm. time to time. I mean, he just like quit and then came back. So he's, just okay. a, funny, he's a funny being <laughs> yeah. who I adore. Right. And I said, well, you think, do you think you're smarter than me? And, like just trying to get stimulated context wow. from like, like just trying to talk. Yeah, yeah. He goes, well, Jessica. I feel like you can make opinions based off of very little information. <laughs> and he's totally right. I know that I do that. Because like when yeah. you hear people complain about that or just read headlines and then have an opinion on how something went, yeah. Yeah. I can say that that's true because I've done that. Sure. The way I've chosen to combat that is go, oh, I think I feel this way. I'm going to talk about it. And, uh. what do you, and then accept when I'm wrong. 
about uh-huh. it or okay. at, look for other people's opinions. So that's yeah. one element of how I try to expand my – the thing I've been working on is accepting when I fucked up or didn't know something. So if someone goes, yeah, Jessica, did you look this part up? No, let's do that. As opposed to being defensive, right? Yeah, yeah. And going, no, I fucking I know what this yeah. is. Now, I do the same thing. I'm, I'm trying to get a lot better at saying I don't know. Right. And that that's a very powerful thing because it also disarms the other side if you're in a, a heated thing. If you can say I don't know, let me take some time to kind of figure it out. I think that's a, a powerful position to have. Right. Because we, I, I do that too. I, I like... I just want to solve the thing. I want to answer the question well, and move on. I have a feeling on. about it and a decision. Yeah, totally. yeah. But like sort of my my superpower and my downfall <laughs> is that I will get very interested in something and I will want to know everything about that topic. Mm. You know, I, I will, like the internet was made for somebody like me. I will just keep clicking and clicking and clicking to try to get to the root of something that I want to understand or that I care about. It might be something trivial. It might be sci-fi of the 1960s, whatever. It does not matter, you know? Yeah. But the flip side to that is that things that don't hold my interest, Uh, I don't do enough of research and and thought behind those topics, you know? Sure, sure. All the more reason, though, to then go, do you know more than I do? I'd be curious to know right. your opinion. Right. And and you you brought up the exact point I was going to make. You're, now we find ourselves more and more uh, in disagreements with people we didn't know we were going to be in disagreements yeah. with. Or yeah. uh, this person, I can't believe that person voted for Trump. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't say that you did if you're in L.A. Yeah. You can't, even though there yeah. are 20 million people that did. Or sure. whatever. I don't yeah, know how yeah. many people are out here. Uh, not here, but yeah. A lot uh, of the yeah. Some people did vote for Trump out here. Sure. They, they exist, but yeah. they will never tell you that. Yeah. The way I've learned, especially when, again, like there's no common ground for information is, why? Why do you believe that? I want to mm. know. Mm. I'm not even going to try and tell them what I believe. Yeah. I. Everyone has a reason to have gotten to the place that they are with yeah. their opinions. And if you get to hear why it's really hard to hate that person usually it's not like you know communication bridges understanding and bridges common ground usually is how i experience it doesn't mean i don't walk away there's some people you can't meet at the same level and you gotta go cool i'm sure sure i know you think that christianity is the best peace out (laughs) like my, my cousin and i got into it and he's like how could i convince you that that Christianity is the only right religion. Whoa. And at, this was after me even like about to get heated. I was like wow. standing like Riker at, pissed at him. <laughs> and I sat down and I went, tell me more, you know, as opposed yeah. to com- being combative. And then I said, you know what, Brian, you can't. And I'm going to need you to accept that. Interesting. Interesting. So, wow. So I've so never. those people I can't communicate yeah, with yeah, at yeah, a certain yeah, point. Yeah. And I want you to hold to your thought, but yeah. I keep on forgetting to give you this compliment. You have said some of the most profound things to me, even secondhand. Like when Mike and I do the podcast, well, John Champion said this. I was like, fuck. <laughs> My brain just like, you you do what? disseminate what? information in such a intelligent way. So I know you're like, you weren't trying to go, you're not trying to downplay your intelligence of things, but you do also, your comprehension level and then ability to share that 
um, is so admirable. And you have, you just, I don't know. I, I really have been impressed with you multiple times. I'm like, you just changed how I view the world a little bit. I've, I've, <laughs> multiple times. Uh, wow. Uh, so with all honesty, I'm so deeply flattered and humbled and touched by that because I cannot tell you the number of times that I've walked out of this room and thought like, what is wrong with my mouth? Like I could not get the words out that I wanted to get out. And I'll beat myself, cause like Norman is a great co-host yeah. on Mission Log and that dude can turn a phrase. And I just sit there and I'm like, Norman, this is going to be your show because I feel like a total idiot. And then 48 hours later, I'll go, that's the thing I should have said. Sure. You know? So I, I, Is it I, possible it's worse in your head than you maybe, think it is? Maybe. Look, I, I appreciate that because I feel like there are a handful of moments that I can point to and go, oh, I was really on for that. And I felt good about what I said there. Sure. It's a handful that's I got that's it. it I got it you know? well you, you won't stop trying apparently <laughs> well, <laughs> you're like I'm gonna do seven podcasts a week and I know how to turn on it. this damn bike and nobody can take it away that's from scary. me that's scary yeah no well so my example of that having experienced oh fuck I was the worst or whatever I can't like yeah. I, you even met me in this era when I was doing mm -hmm. improv, and I was sure the night you you came to see our show at Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was horrible, <laughs> horrible, and it's just because that's where I was mentally, sure. right? Certain that I wasn't doing the thing that my co improvisers wanted yeah. me to do. I'd, I'd walk off stage thinking Ripley, my improv group, think like I'm the one weak link. Yeah. And then I would like go home and think about it and go, yeah, it was well, actually that was really that was kind of funny. Yeah. I, and <laughs> like recently, I've watched a couple older performances I'm, it's really nice to have some of it just for posterity it was really good i wasn't as bad as i thought i was yeah but i think there was an element of me being afraid to admit it as well sure but there was there's a lot i do the same thing i'm even yeah. now when like i'm like oh god it doesn't even make any sense i have a lot more coherency than i realize sometimes but what i love about you is your ability to just get it out like you, you I mean, obviously you have been described before as being unfiltered. Yes, I think that, yes. That's, you know, but Someone told me force of nature. Yeah, yeah sure, sure, sure. But but those are all apt and they're true, and that's that's something that's very appealing and gives you your presence and your strength behind a mic or on a stage or wherever. You know, I wish that I had that. Um, I, I don't know that I don't know that you do, because like you are very. Yeah. You, I find you to be honest. Mm -hmm. But also um, packaged well. I think that makes that probably stems from a lot of your. Uh, this is my psychoanalysis. Please probably gives you yeah. um, the confidence to put yourself out there when you know. I know that this was my way. Like this is how I operate in the world. I'm very scared of the world. I'm very scared of feeling safe, especially mm -hmm. as a woman. I'm gonna. I'm if I'm gonna walk out side there was like a whole someone posted like if i'm not fucking you and i'm you're not my boyfriend or if i'm not your if you're not my girlfriend i'm not gonna watch you get up to the door or something like that like after i drop you off what? Whoa, and then okay. some guy was like if you live in a bad neighborhood then what the fuck you you know oh, i watch my friends walk to their door yeah sure because i know that it's yeah, scary to be a human yeah, let alone yeah. a woman or marginalized whatever yeah. so i'm scared all the time but if i plug in my seatbelt. Yeah. Make sure I have a full tank of gas, yes. roll up all my windows, and lock my doors. This is like a metaphor. Yeah. I'm going to feel a little bit more secure. Sure. If I have mace in my hands, which I don't, yeah. but like, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and then I'm going to feel a little bit more safe. So I take care of the 
things I can control, yeah. which is I took a shower today. I brushed my teeth. Good. Put on a little bit of makeup. I'm so glad to hear all these things. I know. Yeah. For you. <laughs> so that I could present myself yeah. well. So my thought is you put yourself together in such a lovely way so that you don't have to worry about that at least when you get to the social table. Okay. So let me ask you that. I, I, I know that you started doing improv, you know, with uh, improv, but did you act as a kid as well? Yeah. So like. I was 11 when I started doing plays. Okay. And I was horrible. <laughs> I don't know what anyone saw in me. I got like a lead in a play. And it was, it's a, I, we watched some of these things on my stream and yeah. it, no one should have trusted me with a mic. It was really bad. And I don't know how I got to be so great. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. But anyway, what's your question? So, well, well the point is this. So I, I also grew up as an actor and I, I oh, started. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I probably started taking classes when I was six or seven and Baby. you know do, doing plays but then occasionally like a commercial or, or something else and I was always very comfortable doing that and I had confidence doing that but maybe it's because somebody else wrote the words and you just get to inhabit the character for a while and and everything else has been put together for you at the same time I was that and probably still am a little bit that person who doesn't want to be called on in a public situation because I'm going to screw it up. Not not screw it up, but certainly have the opportunity for embarrassment. Sure. You yeah, know? totally. So there's a little bit of, and I think it's just kind of an actor thing, but it's also a very human thing. It's like you, you there are certain situations where you're comfortable, where all those things are put together, where the package is done and yeah. you can go forward and present yourself. And there are other times that just, you can't. You can't. <laughs> you I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. breathing in heavily because yeah. a lot of people don't look at me and assume this, but I was picked on heavily. Oh, same. And, and I can imagine. Yeah. Because yeah. if you've experienced that, you do your best mm -hmm. to either mitigate that, deprecate, mm -hmm. so that someone else doesn't do that, or put your best foot forward so that you don't. I, I used to not be comfortable flubbing my words. Sure. Because I was certain that was like one foible that that was like chinking in armor. Yeah. I was like telling a joke yeah. to my family. That was a gr it's a great joke, and I was so it was the first time I was telling it in person. I I like pulled the wool over people's eyes in, on stream, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna tell this joke. I'm meeting my brother's girlfriend for the first time and her mom, and I got this joke. And my fucking sister goes, "Is this a fucking joke? Are you telling a joke?" You know, <laughs> oh, you're like, no. she's like, you're and there's oh. there's a core memory of mine where we're all at a table and. Everyone's joking about the same thing, and then yeah. they start joking about how I couldn't joke about it. Oh, so I had to do improv yeah. to learn how to get unfiltered. Yeah, because my pension is towards I don't know if people are going to let me say that, or if this is the right timing to say right. that. So it is also a defense mechanism yeah. by going, "Well, fuck you, I don't care." Yeah, in a sense, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So we, uh, yes, it's the natural. I don't know what my point is, except that like. When you're in your element with the right people, they don't give a fuck about yeah. who you are. They like you. And when you screw up, they can go, hey, you fucked that up. And right. that's they're still your friend. Right. And when you're not with the group of people that you should be with, yeah. you don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, so, yes. I don't know my point <laughs> anymore. But it's it's just tough to human. Yeah. And and so the and yes, as I've aged, I care less about what people think, but actually, I care more about the people that I care about and what sure. they think, like sure. the right people. But see, there's a nice thing about, and I think this is true for any generation, 
is that the older that you get and you get taken out of these high pressure situations like school because school is awful yeah. in many ways, yes. you know, and you really do get to carve out and define your life the way you want it to be. And it, and I, I don't necessarily mean like, oh, you get to live in the perfect house or the perfect place. But no, the, the thing that you own, though, which is your image and your interaction with the world, you actually can shape that to be what you want. So I go back to something you said before, like, you know, talking about the way that I dress and the way I present myself to the world. There's a part of that that's just fun. Like, yes, totally. I, I curate my social media. Uh, certainly not like Kim Kardashian, you know. You're not quite there yet. Uh, I'm not quite keep there. Keep on you know. trying. But uh, there's, I looked at social media when I first got on to uh Facebook or whatever, you know, years and years and years ago, I looked at it as kind of like a personal diary of some sorts. Ah. And there was a way to communicate with family and friends and that, that was all fine. But then at a certain point that changed and partly changed because of the shows that I do here right. or the shows that I did before I got here. And it became a little more promotional. And I didn't necessarily want everybody that I was promoting to to be a part of my personal life as well, right? So then it just became kind of fun. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to put out a ton of stuff. But if you can see the sense of humor that hopefully is behind my eyes in doing something that's a little stagey, <laughs> you know? So what, what remind me what the, uh, uh, your gentleman uh, Oh, slow-mo slow -mo gentleman, which I haven't done in a long time. We're, we're begging for I it. I know. There needs to be more. There needs to be more. But And I, I kind of did a little bit of that stuff in my, my other handles, too. But, right, right. You know, and it, even some of my friends, just kind of keeping them guessing, like, is he really serious about this? Like, no, I, I do not wear a white dinner jacket all the time. And, you know, that's. But we wouldn't judge you if we you cared about judge, you. Yeah, see, there you go. Do you know what I mean? We yeah. would let you wear that. Yeah. Because yeah. who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of the thing, though. It's like when we started Mission Log Live, um, and I, I literally, like that day we were about to go live for the first time, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to put myself on camera to, I don't know how many people are going to watch this, but it's going to be out there forever and ever. So instead of wearing the T-shirt that I would normally wear to come in here, I'm going to change it up a little bit. And then that kind of just became a defining thing, which I'm totally okay with. That's Brian all right. Epstein put yeah. the Beatles in, in matching outfits and matching, matching haircuts. Pierre Cardin suits. That, yes. that, is that what they are? They you are you would Cardin, know that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, se that separates a band yeah. from another band. Yeah. You know, I've totally. been in... It's, so it's interesting that you said too. That's what I was forgot to get back around to. I did the acting stuff, and you're mm -hmm. totally right that I felt so much more comfortable when someone else wrote those things. Yeah. I could emote or whatever. Yep. Again, I wasn't good at it for a while, but then I got better at it. Right. And then uh, I got really nervous about what it actually was supposed to take to be a professional in this industry, mm. and I hadn't mm. entered the industry yet. And I went, well, you know what? I write music, and I'm writing a lot of songs, yeah. so I'll do that. I was petrified on stage i still i look at my life as like a series of like overcoming as opposed to achievements like okay i overcame that fear of being on stage i overcame doing that right. like every I, almost everything i've done up to this point i was scared to do until that fear went away three years ago right for god knows what reason like e improv every time you saw me was petrified yeah. petrified to go on stage but the music element was worse because i wrote the songs oh I'm singing sure. my guitar. Unless I was in a band, it was a little bit better and more fortifying. Yeah. Nothing was worse than that. Because <laughs> it's nothing more raw 
than that. Well, yeah. I, or it, now it'd be it, different, but yeah. But where it, it's like stand-up comedy. I mean, it, it's just you, and you have picked out the words, and you have picked out the look, and you have crafted the character. Mm-hmm. Then that you have to sell to the audience, mm-hmm. and or it, you have to be truthful, right? Yeah, yeah. Because that we can also sniff out a fucking fake. Sure. Sure. Essentially. So yeah. in the last remaining moments of the time that I have with you, um, how would you rate my performance? Do you think that we have anything like s- summaryable about this e- episode? A takeaway? You know, uh, th- this was really helpful for me because I got to have a conversation with somebody whose opinion I respect and hash out some things that have been on my mind that I haven't really articulated. Yeah. So the, this idea, like, absolutely, you did not tell me anything about this, no. what we are going to talk about at all. But just being able to walk through these ideas with you, it, it almost, you know, makes me mad a little bit that I know that the next news article that I click on is going to pigeonhole, like, well, here's what, Gen Zers are doing now and how totally. they're fucking up the world. Right. And and I just I, I wish that we could walk away from that paradigm of how we look at people and how we look at generations. Um, yeah. It, it's it tough. Drives me mad. But but again, yeah, I too yeah. feel grateful. I was like looking forward to this for a week since asking you, I was like, I can't wait to tell John how much <laughs> he's impacted me since working with him in, Be- in Vegas. And like that was so much fun. It was so much fun, yeah. and we get to so yeah. uh, for those that don't know, John and I got to co-host at Star Trek Las Vegas. It was awesome. Uh, we had been in horrible fights until that point, but we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and that's another thing to compliment you on too is your ability. You're like there's very few people out there in the world that are conduits, but you have an ability to go. I like that person. I like that person. They're good at that. They're yeah. good at that. I'm gonna or I'm gonna find an opportunity. There's you just. I'd rather work with your kind of person than anybody yeah. else who's like, I'm Thank I'm you. great at what I do, and let's do that together, as yeah. opposed to, I'm afraid to give you this opportunity or what have you. I mean, isn't you. that the way it works? It's, it's like not. You, you, but no? it, it, okay. it is. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it you know, it doesn't have to be, which is all the more reason why I appreciate it when someone oh, does do that. Because yeah. I want to be that. I, I have an opportunity. I want to go, Ooh, who do, who's a good fit? You yeah. know? I, I want to be around people who I like and who are talented. And, and you thanks know, for not that, giving that up on me. me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you remember that I existed. Yeah, but yeah. the... Uh, why did I think that was important to stop you from talking? It was so important. <laughs> the, uh, 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 uh. I, I will take it back to lyrics by The Who. Okay. Who when, are you? <laughs> Who the no. fuck are you? Which is a great song, yeah. Uh, but no, you know, they did a song in the early 60s about the generation gap because these were the guys who grew up after the war. And My generation, that song? Well, there was that, but there was another song that is equally important, which is The Kids Are All Right. And it, it was trying to say to this generation that was before them, thinking like, oh, these kids who grew up, they didn't have to struggle through the war or the depression like we did. They have it too easy. Right. They've got everything. They have every opportunity. How terrible, right? And here's this band basically saying, like, look, kids are all right. We're fine. The, not a lot of stuff is going to bother us. We're just going to keep carrying on. You know, my generation was an angrier version of that. But, but for <laughs> and all, rightfully so. For good reason. Yeah, yeah, totally. So. I mean, you get, they, a lot of people call you the latchkey generation you know it's just really interesting the differences i I feel like 
Gen X, like like the young the the youngest of the baby boomers had a really tough go of it because they had outdated uh not you know like outdated ways to be like got to get married to one person yeah. and then but also like wait I want to also work a job you, like it'll suss out a lot of things yeah. that we don't have to deal with yeah. um I, I do really think there's good irony and then I'm going to go talk about the reckless club because <laughs> the first quote in that is the David Bowie that uh the kids don't care what you think. They know they're quite aware of what they're going through. Yeah, it's just if you're aging and you just don't want to let go of that. That's yeah. what really is showing when you start lamenting someone else's sure a- accomplishments. What I believe, and I think you do too, and you exemplify this. Yes, we're going to see those articles. It's going to actually anger us. Like, oh, here it go. They go yeah, again. Right. Where's the change we want to see in the world? That's see, and that's such a Star Trek message. That, that is, it really is. That's it's so like, cute. do do that right thing. Even Have if this it's podcast the hard where we get thing. to like break yeah. that down. Right. Even no, what I mean that yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fuck, I like having conversations where yeah. there is nuance because there, yes, there's truth, like you said. Yeah. But like my perspective is a little bit different. Yeah, I want to be, yeah. and I want you, I want people to email me and tell me I'm wrong, mm. or or they don't agree with me because I want to learn. Yeah, and and we don't have to contribute to that. That's very true. Yes. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> this is me. it. Is this I the guess show? so. I have, it always ends. It's it begins awkwardly and ends awkwardly. Perfect. <laughs> that, that's how everything in my life goes. Do you yes. before you go mm-hmm. want anyone to know about anything special yeah, that you're doing? Leave me alone. Great. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no. I, I mean, look, uh, podcast.roddenberry.com because that's where you you make that happen I, well, you I, make it happen that that is uh, I, I work I work very it. hard yeah. yes I, and uh, I have my hands in a lot of shows and that is kind of the bulk of my creative output right um and I work very long on all of that stuff um I need to take a break more often than I do uh but you know it, it kind of goes back to the whole acting thing and production work that did before this scratches that creative itch totally. for me totally so I'm I'm grateful for it you know and you do a, um, a wonderful job you curate a community of very like it's it's hard to find a franchise that doesn't have a toxic element yeah. and yeah. Thankfully, yeah. even if it's not a huge one, yeah. you've curated a safe community of, you know, people that aren't the youngest versions of the Star Trek fans, yeah. but are super open-minded. Yeah, yeah. And that is not easy to do. But, it, you know, it's like the old adage that the fish stinks from the, you know, head down. You're <laughs> right. the stinky fish at the head. I, that's me. That, and that's everyone how I want to be known. the same way as you do. <laughs> you you do you you're, you're a bringer of people. You're community. You're fostering an awesome community. That I'm beyond. This is what I was telling myself too. Like you're right. I'm unfiltered. That does not attract everybody. It's off putting. But like when we walked away from Star Trek, I was like, they get me. <laughs> and, and it was hard. It was coming at a time too where I wasn't sure if I was ever going to book another job oh, or if no. I was p- off putting. And yeah. we all go through through like. It does this work? Does this not work? Or especially if you're public facing, you right, gotta kind of right. assess. Well, that's how I pitched you. So I was like, Jessica's off-putting, but <laughs> but good. So let's let, let, let let's try to balance. Let's try to harness I you. that. I believe you. <laughs> but, get but her like, on stage. You guys, like even Rod, when he's given feedback, yeah. he knows where I'm coming from. Yeah. He's giving me feedback for, as a friend, as opposed to someone who goes, "Oh, I can't believe she said that." Or whatever. He's yeah, no, he's great about that. Um, and, and even when sometimes you know that that critique or criticism can be more more 
pointed or more, say, high stakes for him. Uh, he's so good about delivering Such that. A, and, I, and I've always so felt very supported. Yeah. Because he also likes you. Yeah. And, and it, essentially, if someone like you and Rod and Rod and Barry – can go, Jessica's all right. I have to go to sleep at night and go, I'm doing okay. Yes, you are. So You're better than you. okay. I know, and I know that, but <laughs> but I now know that. So I'm glad you. that I just burnt up an hour, like, you know, massaging your ego so you can Did sleep that? better Did that? Was that what just night? happened? <laughs> no, I thought we were talking. Fuck. Okay, good night, John. Bye. Bye. Oh, God, it's so awkward. <laughs> That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verney merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.